everyone. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. And I'm your host, Janine Strong. Today, we are going to have another conversation with our medical herbalist, Krista Poulton. Hi, Krista. How are you? I'm doing great, Janine. Nice to be speaking with you today. Yeah, it's good to be speaking with you. And I was so glad Krista was just in my neck of the woods uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I got to meet her face to face, and that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was great to go out and see each other. Yeah. So what would you like to focus on today? Well, I was thinking that it would be a great time to have a conversation about cleansing. It's the springtime in, uh, well, everywhere, but very much the springtime on Vancouver Island. And the Kootenays is getting there. When I left the Kootenays a couple of weeks ago, your spring buds were just coming out and everything was starting to come out and be alive. But coming back to Vancouver Island, things are in abundance here. Oh, I bet it's beautiful. Uh, everything is in flower. Everything is just, yeah, it's a gorgeous time of year to be uh, in Victoria. And so I thought we would discuss about some things that are going to be easy to uh, potentially even find in the backyard or find as herbal teas uh, to assist in cleansing. Well, I think that's a great idea. And that will dovetail very nicely with the... Uh, excuse me, with the conversations that I've had with Dr. Matt Flory, the functional health specialist that we have been talking to, because the gut microbiome and the liver are key to our health and the health of our immune system. And um, he talks a lot about cleansing and healing the gut. And so this will dovetail really, really nicely with that. So great. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with uh, a lot with that, with the microbiome and the and the immune system. And one thing I look at too with the, with gut health is oftentimes when we're in a state of stress. So whether that's physical stress, so maybe there is toxins in our physical system. If it's emotional stress, so if we have you know a stressful lifestyle, stressful work environment, stressful home environment. Um, digestion is usually the first thing to go off. So digestion is actually a really um, important indicator to show us what's happening within the system. So if we're having some digestive issues, it could be potentially that these stressors, both, um, you know, our environmental stressors that can cause, you know, physical um, stress in our body or these emotional, uh, you know, just busyness of our lifestyle stressors um, really do affect the system. And so, this is a perfect time, I find, in the springtime just to uh, take a moment to slow down. There's lots of gardening to do, and I find that reconnecting with plants really allows us to shift our focus from the winter and allow us to reconnect with nature, reconnect with ourselves. And so I find that, for me, the springtime is such a rejuvenating uh, time, both my you know, my physical body my and then my spiritual, emotional body as well. And that really does change the way that I digest and that I see with my patients too. So big shifts happen, I find, in the springtime with digestion where um, a lot of my patients find that they are shifting digestive patterns. So they might have been mm-hmm. um, having either more of a, a harder stool, not passing every day, and then they have looser stools or vice versa. And it's an interesting time in the springtime where there is a lot of um, digestive shifts that can happen. And so there's definitely a lot of things that we can do um, in the springtime, especially because there's lots of abundance out there that we can harvest from. Um, to help uh, stabilize the bowels and to stabilize digestion so that we are uh, maximizing our health for this time of year. Mm-hmm. So, Krista, what do you feel is the, besides the weather change, the shift in weather and the, the energy, what, what would be some of the factors that you find with your patients um, that they're having this change in their digestion from the, the winter to the spring? Yeah, it's kind of, it's an interesting time um, that I find with uh, both in the kind of early fall and early spring, I notice a lot of digestive shifts and changes within patterns. So um, mm-hmm. I was talking with a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner friend of mine, and they were mentioning that those are kind of two transition times mm-hmm. and that there is um, this energy of great change and that does cause a little bit of imbalance within within digestion and the intestinal movement. Um, but I've, I've definitely noticed and seen like a, a, um, 
a picture evolved within my patients and seeing these these uh, patterns that are associated with the early fall and then the early springtime. And I do wonder as well, you know, shifting our diet. And I find that wintertime is a, you know, there's, when we look at seasons, there's definitely patterns within seasons that we can see. So wintertime is like this inward time. Uh, we eat heavier foods. And then sometimes when we come out of that, we're feeling maybe a bit stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious about if it's a stagnant kind of shift into springtime when things start to uh, really change and sprout and that kind of ignites that kind of shift within ourselves and then in the fall time I find that it's you know summer's so busy and we're in this busy 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 mode um, and then fall kind of comes and it's a bit of like oh slow and kind of has this like coming together um, time and so I, I'm curious more about talking with the Chinese medicine practitioners about these shifts in in seasons but I do find that digestion these are the two times that I find that almost every one of my patients does a flip and it's only a flip for about a couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, and they usually find balance so they usually come in like something's wrong with my digestion I'm eating um, you know, as I normally do, but all of a sudden I'm having the opposite of what I had before, but then it does find balance, but it's about a two week period where a lot of my patients are noticing digestive shifts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Interesting. Well, I know in Chinese medicine, um, the, uh, the, there's a kind of the tenant that even if you don't get acupuncture at any other time of the year, if you, if you do have an, uh, an acupuncture treatment in the spring and in the fall, that really helps the body, it assists the body to adjust to that flux and that change in energy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love getting acupuncture at that time. I do too. In fact, I have an appointment on Friday with our Chinese medicine specialist. <laughs> Great. Okay. So let's get into your specialty on this matter. All right. So with cleansing, you know, this is a, a really great time because it is the springtime and there's a lot of abundance. So obviously there's the, the classic dandelion plant that a lot of people uh, you know, it's growing in almost everyone's yard. It's the classic weed. Um, of course, we as herbalists and, um, you know, if you're into permaculture and things like that, you're going to be eating your weeds and the weeds are not weeds. Weeds are medicine. Um, in most, in a lot of cases, not all cases, some weeds are poisonous. So you have to be able to identify, uh, your weeds in your yard. But dandelion's a really classic one to identify. It's really easy to identify. Um, there is a plant. Um, that can, can be like a little bit of a lookalike. I've only really noticed it on the island. It might be in other areas too, but it's called hawksbit. Um, but it looks quite different. Once you mm. kind of learn how to identify it, it is quite different. So when you're harvesting your dandelion, just make sure that the leaves aren't fuzzy. So they should be smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the um, flowers, the stem has almost like a, a um, when you bend it over, it has more like a fiber consistency on the inside that you can actually separate fibers. Mm-hmm. And the other one is more like a, a solid stem that you can't separate the fibers. So once you identify, it's really easy. But um, I've had a lot of my herb students, um, you know, point out dandelion on, you know, herb walks or when we're at the garden. I'm like, oh, that's actually not the dandelion. That's hawksbait, but it looks really, really similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but dandelion is such... Uh, such a great medicine. We can be using all parts of the plant. So we can be using the root, mm-hmm. uh, we can be using the leaf. And I, at this time of year, will do things with the flowers. So you can eat the flowers. You can actually really make yummy uh, kind of like dandelion flower uh, fritters where you put them with whatever kind of flour with an egg base and then you fry them up. Super mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also made, um, with the flowers, um, spring tonics. So I usually make, uh, like a herbal mead at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a mead is a honey based liquor. So I'll ferment okay. uh, the dandelion flowers with a little bit of champagne yeast and some honey. And then I'll have a delicious, uh, herbal drink for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what we're looking for for cleansing is the roots and the leaves. And this plant is just, again, such an abundance for uh, cleansing because the root is what's known as an appearant. An appearant is a mild laxative. Mm-hmm. And Could so, you spell that, Krista? Yeah, it's A-P-E-R-I-E-N-T. So Great, appear- thanks. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so this, you know, it's a gentle laxative and the way that periods are working is that they're working more at the liver level. So this is a plant that's going to be helping to detoxify from the liver. And so it's going to have a cholagog, a choleretic action, which means it's increasing the flow of bile and the production of bile. So it's going to have this overall liver tonifying effect and that's going to assist the stool to move a little bit faster through the system. Mm -hmm. So there's different ways we can have laxatives. And one of the ways that we can have a laxative is this appearant way. And this is a more gentle laxative. It's more tonifying for the system. And it's the way that I prefer to go with the laxatives. There's a couple other ways we can also offer the laxative action. And one is what's known as a stimulating laxative. Mm-hmm. And this is a, this is what a lot of people end up going to for laxatives because they're a little bit, they're strong, they're very strong, and so they have an immediate action. But these stimulating laxatives are laxatives that can cause an addiction. So what happens is that the instead of your intestines having this movement, and so it's, so is what what's happening with this then is this increasing peristalsis? No, it's is not. That, so no. peristalsis okay. is what our body normally is doing. Okay. But what's this doing is it's causing this irritation oh. in the colon and so it's kind of having this irritation and and then evacuation. And oh. what happens over time is that the intestine goes, "Okay, why am I doing all this movement of peristaltic movement? Why am I using all these muscles and moving the stool along if all you're going to do is irritate and then evacuate?" And so what happens is that people get addicted to these type of laxatives. And these laxatives are, you know, what I find, um, they're, they're common on the market. So things like Senna is going to be an example of those that kind of stimulating, irritating laxatives. And I just find that for people who have um, digestive issues, it does assist, but then they're addicted to them. So then they can't get off the Senna. That's the only way they can have a bowel mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. So, so are, are, sorry to interrupt, oh, no, but no. are are many of the the over the counter laxatives? Would you say this that's this is what they're doing? Like pharmaceutical laxatives, or well, yeah, you know, just like something that you can get at the pharmacy that's over the counter that's uh, a laxative. Well, the ones that we're talking about right now are it's a plant based, and so they have a constituent called anthroquinones. And it's the anthroquinones that are causing the stimulation. So I'm not sure about pharmaceutical mm. laxatives. There's a few different ways in which pharmaceutical laxatives work, but I'm not sure if they would have that same stimulating effect. A lot of people do get addicted to pharmaceutical laxatives, so I wouldn't be surprised if that is their mechanism of action, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay, so if a laxative it has senna in it, though, th- th- this is what it's doing. Exactly, yes. Okay. Senna is be this uh, plant that has anthroquinones and it's going to be causing this stimulating, um, addicting, irritating laxative expulsion. So it's not going to be the way we really want to be going. Um, I prefer to use, again, more of those appearing type laxatives or there's another type of laxative which we call a bulking laxative. And a bulking laxative would be things like our flax and chia that when we add water to them, they bulk up. And so Mm -hmm. we can use just food type um, to foods to help us move the stool. Um, but we can also uh, be using things like marshmallow powder, or we could use Cipriam in this case, but I try to avoid using too much Cipriam um, just because it is um, an endangered plant. So I prefer mm-hmm. to use a lot more of the marshmallow. And marshmallow root and Cipriam are going to have a, a prebiotic effect. So they're going to feed good bacteria so they're going to actually feed the probiotics mm-hmm. so it's what about together. psyllium yeah psyllium is actually uh it actually comes from plantain so psyllium has to act as a bulking laxative but that doesn't have the prebiotic component uh, to it i don't use this psyllium too much so i'd have to look that one up but i'm um I use more of the marshmallow and the slippery elm for the prebiotic effects, but okay. psyllium, it, uh, it's a good one as well. I just find that um, I, it's harder to access that one for mm-hmm. me, so I tend to go towards marshmallow. Okay. I grow marshmallow, so I can harvest a lot of it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so going back to the dandelion, that's going to be the dandelion root that we can be using to help with liver function, which is such an important aspect of detoxification. So when we're thinking about detoxification, we really want to be opening up our channels of elimination. So we want to be moving things through our, you know, our stool, through our system. We want to be evacuating our stool. We want to be increasing our urine output. So diuresis, we want to be increasing. Mm -hmm. um, we also want to be looking at our lymph flow. So that's going to be really important as well. So moving that lymph, um, we want to be opening up through our skin. So we really want to look at those channels of elimination and really focus on those herbs that are going to help move things out of the system. Mm -hmm. Great. And so uh, the dandelion leaf is going to be a really amazing one as a diuretic. Mm -hmm. So the dandelion leaf is full of minerals. You can actually just eat it as a spring green um, when it's young, when it's still in the uh, really young kind of shoot. It's really yummy. Once it gets older, it starts to get bitter. So when it starts to get um, more mature, there's more of a bitter kind of flavor that um, comes out. But the spring greens are super yummy to eat in salads and full of minerals. So and if so someone says they really don't like dandelion root, it tastes awful. They're probably getting an older leaf. They're not, they're, they haven't really tried the, the young tender leaf yet. Yeah. If they had the young tender leaf, it tastes, it's not that bitter. So I find the bitters though, an interesting flavor where a lot of people don't uh, really like bitters. And I think it's a flavor that we really as a society need to embrace and bring more in. And I recently, I feel like there has been a lot of embracement of bitters. So there's a lot of um, kind of bitters on the market for different types of alcohol. So Swedish bitters are making their way back into uh, popularity. And I think it's great that we really embrace that bitter flavor because bitter flavor is going to stimulate digestion. So we have to be able to taste bitter. That's an important thing. We can't mask it by, by putting it into a capsule. The bitter flavor is actually essential to stimulate and to start that, um, that all the digestive juices uh, flowing. And so it really helps to trigger everything within our digestive tract. Hmm, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So we have to taste it. I know mm -hmm. it's, it's mm -hmm. hard for some people, but try start with, you know, mild bitters. So things like the dandelion leaf and dandelion root, very mild bitters. Mm -hmm. Then you can work your way up to some stronger ones. But dandelion leaf is really wonderful. And so again, it's a, that diuretic action. So it's going to help um, with that outflow of urine. So it's going to help cleanse our urinary system. And one thing that's really great about dandelion leaf is that it is full of minerals. And so a lot of our pharmaceutical diuretics, they deplete minerals. Mm -hmm. And so our dandelion leaf is full of minerals. And that's actually how it's working um, as a diuretic. So these minerals are going to change this electrolyte balance. And that's what's actually increasing the outflow of urine. There's a few other ways in which we can have a diuretic action as well. And so one is that we have these cardiac stimulants and things like coffee and tea. They're going to increase the amount of our they're going to increase the, our cardiac system, mm -hmm. increasing our flow of blood and, of course, water then to our kidneys. And so that's going to help to move things out. Um, so that's going to be another way that we can be looking at a diuretic action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I find with changing the electrolyte balance is going to be the best way because um, it's full of minerals. So we're going to be uh, replenishing the system with lots of nutrition as well um, and having this kind of cleansing effect on the kidneys. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you feel like dandelion and tell me if I'm wrong here, but you feel dandelion is probably the most important herb for cleansing the body. I think it's a, a great one. So I find that, you know, it's really accessible and that's one thing that I, um, I really try to bring into my teachings and into my practice, how to create, you know, how can we have this medicine be more accessible so everyone can access it. And so dandelions are growing in everyone's yard. And so it's mm -hmm. really easy to access this medicine. It's really potent. There's really good um, benefits from having dandelion root and dandelion leaf. And you can just dig up your roots. You can dry them, make them into a cup of tea. You can dry your leaf, make a cup of tea. Um, and, you know, you could also tincture it. So if you want to get more adventurous, you can watch the, the podcast where I talk about making different types of um, preparations, including a tincture. And then you can be taking that as uh, your medicine. Okay. So just to be clear then with dandelion, it, it doesn't make any difference how old, you know, if it's an older plant, um, 
except for if you want to eat the leaves. You want young, you want a young plant for eating the leaves. But other than that, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, the best time to be harvesting a root is going to be the, the the fall and the early spring. But I think, oh, okay. you know, if I'm weeding out a garden and I'm digging up roots, I'm going to use them. So, you know, there might not be the most potent medicine that I would make for maybe my patients, but that's going to be you know, instead of just throwing it into the compost, let's utilize it. So yes, it might not be the best time to be harvesting the root of dandelion, but if you're just weeding out your garden and you're pulling up dandelions, use them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, dandelions is such a great medicine, but there's definitely other things that we can be looking at to help with cleansing too. So I do like to have something that's going to work on the lymph. And one of my favorite plants for that is cleavers. And this is a plant when I'm identifying it with students, I always pick up a cleaver and I throw it at one of my students and then it will stick to their clothes and I go, that's cleavers. And so it's really sticky. And that's a really good way of, um, you know, identifying it's very, very, very sticky. It's going to stick to your clothes. Um, it's actually a really interesting one to harvest because when you harvest it, it just gets stuck to everything. So, um, I, instead of putting it into a basket, I actually just like make a cleaver ball and then I take it home and I process it from that. But the one, then you really have to make sure when you're harvesting it, that other plants aren't getting stuck into it because it is really easy for all other plants that maybe you don't want to be, um, you know, making into medicine or making into a cup of tea um, that are stuck into that plant. So it is a plant that you really do need to kind of sift through, or I just like to pick, you know, one strand at a time and then add it to my ball. And I know my ball is a cleaver ball and then I can (laughs) cut that up, make it into a tincture or I can chop it up and dry it as a tea. Um, But right now it is very, very abundant. It's growing all over Vancouver Island. So I have it in a few of my gardens, which is a a great one. It is a, it's a weed, so it will uh, spread and it will kind of take over areas. Um, But I find that it's just such a great medicine to be having at this time. I would say though that it is, it's not a plant that you want to eat raw. So the dandelion leaf is going to be really yummy in salads. Cleavers, because sticky, it kind of, ha- it doesn't feel that great if you're trying to, to eat it raw. So I usually recommend um, for people to dry this one and make it into a tea or you can tincture it. Or another really great way of taking this plant is juicing it. So if you have a juicer, mm. just juice it up. Um, one of my favorite ways of kind of preserving a juice is just to freeze it into little ice cube trays and then you can pop out an ice cube add it to like a drink. So maybe you make another kind of um, summer drink and then you can pop in your cleaver ice cube and it'll have a bit more of that uh, kind of lymph moving action, but it's in an ice cube. It looks, it's going to be a green ice cube. It's going to be beautiful. Um, plus you can have it then all year round. So I do like juicing it and then making it into like a, an ice cube for future use. Um, and it's going to be a really nice but gentle lymphatic. So it's going to be moving that lymph system, which is really important for helping to move any kind of inflammation, stagnation, cleansing. Our immune system is um, very much involved with the lymph system. So we can be really helping to address our immune system at the same time. Um, and we're just going to be helping to move all of those byproducts, so inflammation byproducts, through the body and out. So our lymph system is kind of like our secondary uh, circulatory system. And it's very important for helping to, that we're removing it, that we're um, helping to eliminate any of these byproducts of inflammation or any of our just our processes in our body. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea, Krista. I do have one question, though, because cleavers is so sticky. I'm just wondering about juicing it and <laughs> putting it in the juicer. Is it like going to be like a sticky gooey mass or (laughs) it's once it breaks down so it's sticky as like a as a growing plant that's kind of how it grows it like sticks to other plants but as soon as it gets crushed down the stickiness isn't there so you put into your juicer and it will it won't get stuck together like you'll have it's um you have like a a ball of cleavers but it won't get stuck in there it's uh, okay. more like sticky as in like, it's kind of, it's not quite tacky. It has like these little kind of micro hairs that attach to um, other plants and likes to grow up things that way. But once you right. those, it's, it doesn't have those anymore. Mm, cool. I'll have to try that. Mm-hmm. And so another thing that I like to do with my cleanse, then, you know, we talked about moving things out through our kidneys and throughout our colon and now our lymph. I do also like to address just having something that's full of vitamins and minerals. So this is a time where, you know, we have these spring greens that are popping up that are full of nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so 
I like to add things like nettles or alfalfa to my mix just to help with all that nutrient value as well. So to increasing our vitamin and our mineral content. And these plants, these are best, um, if we're making it into a tea, they're best to do a really long infusion. So like an overnight infusion would be the best. And an overnight mm-hmm. infusion is going to really allow all those vitamins and minerals to come out of the plant, the dry plant, into the tea. And it's going to almost taste a bit more like a broth. So it tends to be, I call it the green broth, and it's quite thick. And when I offer this tea at, uh, you know, sometimes I do festivals, and I'll offer this tea to people. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is thick. It's almost like a soup. And it is. It's quite thick and rich tasting. Um, and full of uh, vitamins and minerals. So I do like to add something that is going to be really uh, mineral and nutrient rich when we're doing cleanses. And mm-hmm. you know, so nettles. You said nettles. What other herbs are you using for that? Nettles and alfalfa, and both are alfalfa. coming up right now. So nettles, you can definitely do a really nice harvest of them. And alfalfa is coming up at least in my garden. So probably be a little bit more time in uh, more of the east coast, or sorry, the east. The east coast the east part of canada um so but in the vancouver island they're definitely popping up right now and it's good to harvest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can you use dried alfalfa yeah absolutely yeah you can do dried alfalfa yeah mm-hmm. okay okay um that sounds like a good way to use nettles because a friend gave me some nettles the other day and she said oh just saute it with butter and garlic it's yummy so i didn't it- wasn't all that yummy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Ned- I was so bummed. I, I really, I ended up giving it to the chickens. That's well, that's actually one of my favorite dishes is nettles with butter and garlic. So I love it. But I even just had that actually last night with some, uh, just, it's a little bit late on Vancouver Island for the nettles, but in certain areas you can still find, I'm um, they've been kind of trimmed back and uh, the, the undergrowth starts to grow up. So the ones that were babies grow up Mm, and so I was just mm -hmm. at a garden and there was some nettles so I harvested some of those and yeah did the butter and the garlic and it was it was quite yummy hmm I wonder if I did something wrong I was really bummed I was so looking forward to it (laughs) I don't know did you it's a rich taste like it's an acquired taste so it might just be uh that you that flavor isn't maybe what you're going for but I love it I make like nettle mm. pesto and I'll do nettle lasagna and, you know, I just do lots of different kind of app, uh, different food preparations with nettles. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to start with something where the nettles are part of the dish as opposed yeah. to the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. So maybe doing like maybe having some like leeks and other things into it, maybe some mushrooms and it becomes part of a whole dish. That'd be mm-hmm. Because I know they're really healthy for you, but I just, uh, yeah, it, it, it just didn't, didn't sit well. Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. But yeah, so those are kind of my, one of my favorite kind of liver tonics. And, you know, we we're talking about the springtime a lot. Um, and that's, you know, it's right now it's springtime on, you know, in, in Canada and it's, abundance on Vancouver Island. So there's lots of things that are popping up. And I do try to uh, teach my students, teach my patients, teach my community on how to access their own herbal medicine. So where they can be accessing different plants to harvest and things that might be growing in their own backyard. But also the springtime is a really good energetic time to have a cleanse. And so it you know, we have this energetic cleansing so that we're coming out of that winter where there's maybe a bit of sluggishness. We ate a lot of heavy foods, uh, maybe didn't have as much exercise as we normally do without having the spring, the summer, going for hikes and walks and things like that. And so um, I find that energetically, this is a really nice time to be cleansing. It's also getting warm out. And so when we cleanse, a lot of those plants are cooling to the system. And so we just want to Uh, Make sure that there is heat in our environment before we actually get into a cleanse. But if there's another Mm -hmm. time of year that you're thinking about cleansing, so the summer or the winter, um, the winter is one that I'm a little bit more cautious about just because of the coolness of those herbs. So if you warm it up and you do it really gentle, but the winter time is more of like a building time. It's more about a nourishing building up those stores and cleansing is kind of moving things out of the body. So I do more of like a building restorative type of cleanse in the winter time. Mm-hmm. If I need to work with a patient that needs to cleanse and we'll do lots of warming herbs. So add lots of warming things in there. So I might do Angelica Archangelica, which is a great warming bitter. Um, I might do some ginger, some cinnamon, things that warm up that formula so that mm-hmm. it's not too cooling for the system. 
Uh, summertime mm-hmm. is probably going to be a, an okay time for cleansing as well. Energetically, there's a, there's a shift though that you can feel in your body. There's energy shifting compared to the springtime, but it's still a really nice time to cleanse. Um, just making sure that um, you, you know, if it's starting to come early fall, that you're warming up the formula with a bit of ginger or cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so you'd use the same herbs in the summer that you would in the spring, you just want to add some ginger and cinnamon. Yeah. If it's starting to get a little bit cool, I find just energetically, if we match, uh, you know, with, um, if we're matching with the season. So if we're matching with the changes in the flow of the seasons, I just find that there's a little bit more, um, maybe effectiveness with the cleansing it, you know, when you're cleansing the springtime, you just feel so good and you're feeling really vibrant. And that's what, you know, outside is looking like as well. So we have these vibrant colors coming out. We've got flowers coming out. And so it just matches with the with the seasons. And I try to be matching with the seasons as much as possible. So, at, you know, in the fall time, I start to have that inward. Wintertime is a building, kind of uh, planning new projects. And springtime is action time. Springtime is putting those those projects into action and going out into the world and sharing what I want to be sharing with the world. And then the summertime is, you know, especially in the midsummer, you kind of get into that lazy summertime where you just want to relax and you, it's really hot out and you just want to have a bit more um, kind of uh, more summer naps and things like that. So, you know, I just try to follow as much as possible to the, the seasons with, with diet, with how I'm eating, with lifestyle. Um, and I think that, you know, overall, we'd be a much healthier society if we really addressed the changes and those shifts. So springtime, you know, this is a great time to be, you know, we have longer hours, so we can be working longer days. Uh, I think a lot about farmers. I'm, a, I'm from Saskatchewan, so I have, uh, my dad's actually a farmer and I have a lot of connection with farmers there. And it's interesting to really see that shift because yeah as soon as the springtime happens there's longer hours and you know farmers are up a lot earlier and they're working longer days but wintertime they're they're nestled away and they're kind of you know doing their hibernation and fixing equipment and they have shorter days and they really work Mm -hmm. a lot more with the flow of the sun and the moon and the seasons and i i just think that's a really beautiful way of living and you know we have these artificial lights that allow us to work uh you know wake up at you know, a certain time when it's still dark outside and to, you know, stay up and do things into the evening. And I, I just find that it's really shifted the way that we have balance in our life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. I think if if we were all to live a little more in this way where we're actually following the dictates and and the flow of the seasons that we'd be a much healthier society yeah absolutely um there's one other herb i wanted to actually mention before we kind of close up our cleansing talk and that is milk thistle um and so Mm, milk thistle is such a great plant and it's interesting when you think about cleansing at different times of year milk thistle we're using the seed of the plant and so the seed won't be ready until the fall and so this is actually a really good plant to be taking i find more in like the fall and the winter. It's a very gentle kind of detoxifier working again on that liver and it's having such a positive effect on the liver. There's a couple of different actions that we associate with this plant. So we say it's a hepatoprotective. It protects the liver. Mm-hmm. It's hepatorestorative. It restores liver cells and that's just a great hepatic. And so it's going to be tonifying for liver tissue. And so this is a nice long term. So this is what I tend to go more with my patients if they wanted to cleanse in the fall time. It's just doing more of these kind of gentle liver um, uh, kind of tonifying herbs. And I find that milk thistle is such a great plant for doing a long term support to help cleanse the liver. It's really gentle, but it is quite effective. It is nice to sometimes mix a bit of the dandelion root in there because it will help to move that formula. Like helps to move things a bit faster. So dandelion has a bit more of that appearance moving it. Um, but mm-hmm. milk thistle is just such a, a great herb to be having long-term. And it is really important for helping to cleanse toxins. So, you know, we talked a lot about herbs and kind of doing a cleanse. And there's a few different ways or what reasons actually um, why we do cleanses. And one is, you know, that we, it's nice to kind of just have that spring uh, cleanse that helps us to revitalize um, kind of, 
gets us out of that sluggish energy mode. So whether that's our physical energy or emotional energy, I find that having some sort of uh, cleanse where we are intentional about what we're eating, how we're exercising, and that we're doing some herbs to help move that energy is going to help revitalize. But we also live in a society where we are surrounded with environmental toxins. And this is an area that I spend a lot of focus on. Um, And the environmental toxins, they have a really um, strong effect on our hormonal system. So they, a lot of these environmental toxins, they're called endocrine disruptor chemicals, and they're known as xenoestrogens. So they exert an estrogenic response in the system that's stronger than any of our own endogenous estrogen. So estrogen that I make. Mm-hmm. And so this is an area that I focus quite a bit on um, for reproductive health. So I find that a lot of the pathology I'm seeing is based off of these environmental contaminants that people are exposed to. And so I use milk thistle as a long-term support to help move um, these xenoestrogens out of the system. And these environmental toxins, these xenoestrogens, they tend to hide and accumulate in the system. So we really need to think about Mm -hmm. cleansing to actually move these out of the system because they are going to have a a really strong effect in the system and that's going to cause pathologies. And there's many other things that that happen with these environmental toxins. I see a lot of it happening in the reproductive um, pathology world because that's what I focus on. But there's going to be so many changes that happen with our our uh, digestion system as well, our immune system gets affected. You know, we have heavy metals that are going to be um, sitting in different organs, which is going to, you know, not be great for our organ health. And so it is really important to be moving heavy metals out of the system and these environmental toxins and looking at our exposure. So that's a really big one I find is trying to minimize exposure as much as possible. But this is really Mm -hmm. going to be essential for Uh, key health I find in this you know in this day and age where we just have environmental toxins everywhere so it could be in your household with cleaning chemicals it can be found in makeups it can be found in water bottles that are in plastic that are heated so if you have water bottles in your car that's going to move these environmental contaminants on into the water but then pesticides on food so we have you know these different contaminants on our food it's in our water now so our water is contaminated so it is a really important time to always be thinking about liver health and that would be you know i think the take-home message i think would be um at the end of this kind of cleansing is just thinking about that we were trying to keep our system as healthy as possible, not only just for ourselves, but if you choose to um, have children in the future, thinking about your egg and your sperm quality is going to be really important too. So that's where I tend to go in my practice is looking at that egg health and that sperm quality um, when people are trying to conceive and then looking at their environmental um, kind of contamination that might be occurring and really thinking about cleansing before they are, um, considering conceiving. So I usually do uh, a pretty gentle kind of cleanse that we talked about. I might add, you know, I, everything is very specific based on a person. Um, so I might add other kind of specific herbs in based on need, but um, I'll be usually looking at doing like a, a fertility cleanse for about six months um, to really encourage a really healthy system, which means that there'll be healthy eggs, healthy sperm, um, so that we're bringing in and we're, uh, this conception is going to be at the, the healthiest stage possible. So it's not just even about us. We have to be thinking about our next generation, the generation after that. And we really need to be looking a lot at the way in which our system is structured so that we can be changing the contamination that's happening. So we can be shifting the way that we rely on oil and that we, you know, we're relying on, um, supplies from so far away so uh, there's many different factors that we need to be considering and um, and hopefully we can make these shifts in our generations that we can provide a really healthy generation for the next awesome I'm really glad Krista that you brought that up because I think most people would be absolutely amazed if they really knew how many chemicals and toxins that they are coming in contact with every day. Absolutely. So you can find lists on, you know, if you just type into Google and you look up environmental disruptor chemical lists, you can look at, or even um, looking at like the, there's like a clean um, 
oh, what's it called? It's a clean food uh, list that you can get that talks about the certain types of foods that have less pesticides, the ones that always have pesticides, like cherries. You know, we I love Kelowna and the Okanagan, and I love eating cherries, but it's really hard to grow organic cherries. Really, really, really hard. And so we can be looking at trying to, you know, increase our our consumption of these foods that aren't going to need as much contamination and thinking about just local. So, you know, talking with your farmers that are local at your farmer's market and trying to get local food, that's going to help huge with reducing our oil um, impact or oil use. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm going to put a link up to the clean food list. Uh, I think there's, it's either 10 or 15, foods, produce that you absolutely should buy organic. Um, I know grapes and strawberries, uh, blueberries, grapes are probably one of the worst they use. I, I can't remember the number of pesticides, but it's a huge number of pesticides in strawberries. Um, and then there are other foods that, you know, if, if you have access to and can afford, you can purchase organic, but you don't have to. It's it's not as important. But especially things that are thin and soft skinned, um, where and they're sprayed with a lot of pesticides, those just soak right. Yeah, in. absolutely. I know. So we just really need to be looking at our, you know, what we're having within our, our diet, because that's going to be huge. So trying to find, you know, eat organic as much as possible, working with farmers so we can reduce our oil impacts so that our, you know, our food isn't coming from China or from Mexico or wherever it's going to be coming from, that we are, you know, utilizing food that's more local. Um, and that, you know, if we're looking, if we're working with a farmer and we're getting, you know, food from the farmer's market, it's going to be organic. So it's going to be a really tended, uh, you know, loving, you know, space that they're growing their food in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to go back to milk thistle for a moment, um, not everybody can, you know, get milk thistle from the milk thistle plant. And there are really good supplements out there mm. that have milk, that are, are milk thistle. Um, and that some of them have some other herbs and, and uh, nutrients in them to help with, with cleansing. Just as an anecdotal, uh, note, a friend of mine had just started taking milk thistle and she said it was within like a couple of days and her, her digestion changed for the better. Mm -hmm. Um, she was really surprised because she said she hadn't done anything different. And so the only thing she could link it to was that, uh, her starting to take milk thistle. Yeah. It's actually one of the herbs that when I teach my students as herbing, um, at, at the college that I pretty much tell them like, if in doubt and you don't know what to do, just do milk thistle. Like it's going to be beneficial on so many levels. So it's going to be helping with skin. It's going to be helping with arthritis. It's going to help with absolutely every system that if in doubt, just do milk thistle and you're going to have a, a beneficial effect on the other mm -hmm. tissues in your organs in the system. So it's going to have a, a, a good effect for whatever condition that you have um, by supporting the liver. So that just shows how important the liver is and how much we use it for detoxification. And that, you know, is such a, an important role of our liver that, you know, if we're looking at having pharmaceuticals um, that we're using for medicine or if we have environmental contamination, which everyone does, it's, you know, it's everywhere. It's really, it's impossible. You know, if you're, if you live in a city and you walk downtown, you're going to be getting some environmental contamination. That's just such an, so, so important to be uh, addressing the liver and just liver health and supporting that system. And milk thistle is such an invaluable herd for growing the liver. Absolutely. And I would recommend that if someone's interested in taking milk thistle, um, they, they haven't used it before, uh, do a search online on milk thistle so you can learn more about the pros and cons, and then you can make a, an informed decision as to whether you think it would be helpful for you. But I, it would be helpful for everyone, but I, I don't want people to just take my, uh, experience and opinion. I want everyone to make their own informed decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. There's really good resources out there that you can find um, to, to Google. But I find that um, it's, and this is one thing that happens with the herbal medicine world is that if you just Google milk thistle, you're going to find a lot of supplements, you're going to find a lot of you know, not great websites. So it is important to kind of know some of the good websites to go to. Um, I always recommend trying to find a herbalist that you like working with or a naturopath. And uh, someone maybe that is, um, uh, has a, a really good online presence and they probably have a really good monograph 
um, on there. So they probably have a really good monograph that they have on their website. So I usually, when I'm Googling protocols or herbs, I always add a herb list. So I'll pick a few that I, I like working with. Um, and then there's a few other resources that I do like as well. So I really like a website called Learning Herbs. Learning yeah, Herbs? Learning Herbs, yeah. They've got a lot of great monographs and they've got a really great blog. They're from the States. Um, They've got some really great protocols up there. They've got really fun things for kids. They actually have like a little Herb Fairy book club. They've got a Herb Fairy um, kind of board game. So really fun stuff like that. But then they also have a lot of um, monographs that are on their their website as well and I find that it's a really nice one for kind of remedies and recipes and things like that so that's a really good one as well so is that learningherbs.com yes.com okay okay great Mm -hmm. any other resource that you that you like that you'd like Um, to share I really like Aviva Ram as well so Aviva Ram Mm, yes I do too she just has such like just a um She's an amazing blog. She's got like great recipes for food. She's just like such a an, an empowered, amazing woman that I, I look up to quite a bit. So I really like her website quite a bit for blogs as well. So you can find really good recipes on there, plus different monographs. She talks a lot about the adrenal um, thyroid connection, which is so right. Important. Yes, so, she does. Um, mm-hmm. But there's you know it's really important to try to find. A good resource when you're looking at herbs. That's the only thing I, I recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really fascinating. Thank you so Pleasure. much. And the timing, the timing is excellent since this is the spring and uh, we all want to be healthy. We all want to get, I, I would, well, maybe I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming we all want to be healthy. We all want to feel well. We all want to get rid of toxins in our body. And, um, you know, these are some ways that are, are, are pretty simple and pretty easy. And that's why I brought up, um, you know, milk thistle supplements, even though I'm sure that, that working with the plant itself, I mean, the, the energetic benefits there, there are many abstract benefits to doing that also. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that option, you know, to take milk thistle supplement. Um, maybe one that has dandelion in it, something like that, uh, might be a really good idea. And I would recommend um, asking your naturopath or, you know, if you have uh, a healthcare practitioner who is knowledgeable about herbs and natural medicine, absolutely ask them and, and get their help. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of herbalists around too. So um, we're a growing profession. So we're found all across Canada. So there's a uh, herbalist and and obviously other places in the country too and, and are in the countries but um absolutely trying to find a good source is going to be so important talking to your health food store is going to be really important but i that's another good yes that's another good source your health yeah food store. i find i you know I like trying to find uh, the whole plant as much as possible. So I think nutraceuticals have a place and I think that they are really great, but I, I just prefer working with the whole energetic plant. So that's the whole seed in a capsule form or whole seed that, um, you know, is tinctured. Uh, the one thing with milk thistle is that you, it doesn't work as a tea. You actually have to eat the plant or you have to uh, make a an, uh, preparation from it. So um, you can eat it, uh, which is really, I mean, I just put it into like pepper, um, grinders and then you can grind up um, onto foods you do have to grind it it's like a flax where you have to crack open the seed to access the mm-hmm. nutrients mm-hmm. and so you can just put it into a pepper grinder and then uh, grind up onto your food oh what a fascinating idea so you could go to your health food store or something like that or your food co-op and get some seed yeah. and put it in a in a pepper grinder yeah and then you can plant one of those seeds and then you can have a little milk facility growing awesome what a great idea <laughs> thank you that's a great ending. I like that. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but I think that's that's a really good idea because then you're 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 just putting that on all of your savory foods. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It probably doesn't have that much of a flavor. No, it doesn't have like a strong strong flavor. Um, so it's really yummy to put on. Like it, yeah, it's pretty neutral. So it's it's it tastes good, but it doesn't have like a strong flavor. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can put it on pretty exactly. much anything. Yeah, that's a great. Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much, my dear. I appreciate, as always, your your knowledge and helping to disseminate information and helping to make people healthier. And yeah, 
So thank well, you. Well, my pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. We'll, we'll talk again soon, and you take All care. Right, wonderful. Okay, Bye. ciao. conversation. It is spring. I don't know about the rest of you, but I know I want to do everything I can to get my body working well, physically, mentally, and emotionally. You know, there are a lot of environmental toxins that we didn't used to have in years past. Um, I was reading that there are over 70,000 chemicals used in products um, just in the United States, there's more worldwide. A lot of them have not been tested for safety, and also they're not tested for uh, the synergistic effect or the cumulative effect of many different toxins um, in our water, our food, our air, just about everything. So I would like to share with you the Shopper's Guide to Pesticides and Produce, it's actually changed. Um, it was different a couple of years ago, so I'll read off and I'll also, on the website, uh, give the link uh, if you want to print it off. They have it so that you can easily put it in your wallet and take it with you when you go grocery shopping. So the Dirty 12, these are the fruits and vegetables that have the most pesticides sprayed on them. I believe this is in order of worst to uh, relatively least. So these are the these are the fruits and vegetables that, if possible, you really should buy organic. Even if you don't buy any other fruits and vegetables that are organic, these are the most important ones. So number one is strawberries. Number two, spinach. Three, nectarines. Four, apples. Five, peaches. Six, pears. This is the first time pears have been on there. Uh, seven, cherries. Eight, grapes. Actually, I thought grapes were the worst, but maybe it's strawberries now. Um, oh, where are my glasses? Oh, they're there. <laughs> oh, that's better. Nine, celery. Ten, tomatoes. Eleven, sweet bell peppers. And twelve, potatoes. So, there's also a list here for the Clean 15. So. These are the fruits and produce that you really can, as safely as possible, um, eat non-organic. Sweet corn, that would be non-GMO sweet corn though. Avocados, pineapples, cabbage, onions, sweet peas, uh, asparagus, mangoes, eggplant, honeydew, kiwi, cantaloupe, cauliflower, and grapefruit. Those are the Dirty 12 and the Clean 15. The website will be on realjanine.com if you would like to uh, click on the link and print this up for yourself. Okay, so happy cleansing. Um, you know, you don't have to make it a big deal. Just uh, Adding some dandelion root, milk thistle. I find milk thistles really, really helpful for tonifying and um, helping to keep the liver healthy. Ask your local herbalist what might be helpful for you in the area that you live in. And happy cleansing. Take care and be well. <music>